Ah, not great. Not terrible. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going well to well as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off. It's a DNF for MAX. The world championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world. It was definitely a Formula One race. Um, it was. A, it was. One of the races in the world, in fact. One of the races ever, I would say. And definitely mm. one that I have watched. Yep, there were Formula One cars there, all 20 of them. Many of them, yeah. All, yeah, drivers were in them, I think. I believe um, so. And 71 laps later, they all just stopped. They did. They did stop. In fact, <laughs> I, did, I don't know if you saw that. Max Verstappen uh, got a little bit told off by Formula ah, yes. 1 executives afterwards after he mm-hmm. slowed down on his on the final lap once he had he'd crossed the finish line which today I learn isn't the start line um okay. many listeners out there will be going cock well I knew that well I didn't <laughs> yeah turns Same. out the start Same. line is not the finish line um which in my head kind of makes sense actually so uh, I was wondering hmm. when he slowed down before the start line I was like you got to cross it mate it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't count. Yeah. So he slowed down before the start line by his by his uh, crewmates, and then proceeded to do a a bit of a drag out of there, drag race style burnout start. Anyway, he was told off for doing that because you're not really allowed to put anyone else in danger. Um, the mm. the exemption is at the very end of the season. Uh, certain drivers winner sort of second place sometimes, constructors, people, and if you're going to retire, allowed to do burnouts. But that's under very select circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he won't be able to do that next time. No, I think it was one of those where I could probably tell that he was a bit bored because he absolutely dominated this race against uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, even his teammate as well. He was literally in a league of his own. It, remind, it reminded me very much of the Seb Vettel era for Red Bull. It was sort of quite nostalgic in that sense or or similar. I mean, it was similar in many ways to what Lewis Hamilton's been doing for the last, what, five to eight years, just ripping apart the competition, racing off into the distance, uh, both in qualifying and when it comes to the race as well. So so for those who don't know, in terms of qualifying, it was Max Verstappen first, Bottas second, Hamilton third, Norris fourth, Perez fifth. And then they finished largely the same. Um, Verstappen first, Hamilton second, Bottas third, Perez fourth, and Lando Norris fifth. And it's one of those, like, watching this race, seeing the huge gap when it came to qualifying between Hamilton and Verstappen, roughly two hundredths of a second, and then 36 seconds, roughly, the, being the gap between Hamilton and Verstappen coming into the race. It makes me a bit concerned we're going to see exactly the same come this weekend, considering we are racing at the same circuit, uh, but it's called something uh, slightly different. Yeah, that's that's right. And I suppose my holding, I'm holding out hope that there will have some sort of rain. Uh, looking at the, the forecast at the moment, it, it gives it a, a 30% chance of, of rain currently. It wasn't it was on the 70%, nearly 80% earlier when I looked at the the uh, two week weather or the week sorry weather forecast. Um because as as with the Austrian Grand Prix, it's surrounded by beautiful hills and well, mountains I suppose and and deep lush green valleys and you don't get those sort of 
the sort of areas without having a, a uniquely rainy biome. So it would be nice to have some rain. I'm, I'm kind of hoping actually that we'll get a initially wet race that starts to dry up that usually throws some quite interesting things especially in on a track that ha it, where it's so short because sometimes what happens is if you get let's say spa and during the belgian grand prix it's such a big track that if it's wet on one half of the track or in like one section of a track then the amount of times the drivers have to negotiate through that wet section is is quite limited it can only be 50 something times uh, during a race whereas given this is such a short track and so fast this is a power track then the wet can really throw some really interesting things into the works especially as teams don't count on being able to put in high downforce for it so yeah no i i, I uh, i'm holding out hope that we'll have something different but as you rightly there say tom this is just austria number two yes austria number two and austria number one last year when we opened in austria it was actually quite dramatic and both races were different but i have a funny feeling we're not going to get that but you know that's just that's just my opinion i don't think there's going to be too much changing unless there is a weather um a weather front that comes in and, and something dramatic occur or something dramatic occurs such as a bit a big accident or a crash um you'll notice also listeners that it is once again only tom and my voice uh, this week. That's because uh, Liv once again is away. It's, we're getting into the summer period when things are getting a little bit busy now. Um, but I hear that uh, when when we come back, both Liv and Angus will be joining us. So I'm sure we'll be able house. to get yeah we'll be able to get feedback yeah. from from the the full full house of F1 in review uh, voices about the last two Austrian Grand Prix and what happened um, as we approach the summer break. Um, and towards the tail end of this first half of, half of the season. But to be honest, Tom, who, who would you say was your, your hero driver? Because I think I can think of three drivers this weekend mm. that really shone out, perhaps for the right reasons and from the wrong reasons. But who were your sort of hero drivers uh, this weekend? Mm. Um, well, I've got to say Verstappen, first of all. He was just electric, you know, won the race convincingly, as I say. Mm. Second as well, I say Leclerc. I thought he did an excellent job. He was slightly reckless at times, I thought. You know, versus Gasly, he gave him that punch where he clipped his, his back left, I believe, and, you know, cut Kimi up a bit when he was um, fighting for 13th place. So um, he did err on the side of um, sort of aggressive racing, which I suppose you like to see when there's no damage or negative repercussions. But the fact he was so far down, you know, towards, I think, believe it was 15th, 16th, around that, got back up to 7th, I thought was... Really remarkable, um, considering how poor that Ferrari car had been uh, at a, another power circuit, the, the French Grand Prix. And I thought to myself, mm, here we go. You know, um, Ferrari down the bottom, we're just going to see a repeat of last weekend. But they didn't, or, you know, certainly um, Leclerc and also Sainz to a greater extent, you know, qualifying in 12th, going up to 6th. It's a really remarkable um, result there. And it does give me hope that, Maybe Ferrari and Power Circuit can work together. Maybe they're not completely um, mutually exclusive when it comes to this season as they probably were the season before. Going away from Ferrari, I've got to say, uh, well, I've got to say it, George Russell, you know, qualifying in 10th in that Williams car is quite honestly astounding. I, I thought to myself, mm. when he finished 12th, 
um, with uh, with Williams in France, you know, in a full house. I thought, you know, it's good. It's it's definitely going in the right direction. But I wasn't blown away by it because ultimately, you know, three four years down the line, no one will really remember. Oh yeah, George Russell finished twelfth, scored zero points in a Williams car. Like you know, history dilutes in my view the perception that we have. But to score points would seriously say to I think the whole F1 community and anybody who has even a vague interest in the sport that this guy, if given the right tools, can do a fantastic job. And the fact you know he got up to eighth place as well, held his own. He was not getting you know. Uh, freely overtaken by by other cars. I thought he was catching you know, Alonso. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong, Alpine isn't one of the fastest cars, but it's a good, solid midfield team. And Alonso is, you know, showing this season, he's no slouch. Um, but yes, a an issue with the pneumatic pressure, I believe, of yes, the Williams car. Yes, that is correct. Thank you very much. I'm not sure what that means. But, um, uh, it's the, it's the pressures that, that control things like uh, the, the steering links to the brakes. So it's, right. it's, it's quite integral to the controlling unit of the car you don't want to lose your your mm. pneumatic pressure um not at all i mean hence he dnf'd i suppose and was yes. forced to retire yeah so gutting really gutting again but it's once again a really positive sign for george russell and for ferrari yeah and i i i am um, i agree with both of those to be honest ferrari did a an excellent job i i think the highlight of the race was um just Charles Leclerc charging back through the pack from 19th place after he, as you say, recklessly uh, destroyed his front wing and then took out Pierre Gasly, which I was really disappointed to see. Pierre Gasly, I thought, did a stellar job during qualifying. And that's the silver lining, I think, to this second Austrian Grand Prix. If everything plays out the same... Drivers such as Pierre Gasly and George Russell, if they put in the same performance, will be able to perhaps demonstrate and have a second chance that they can do something quite spectacular in cars, which aren't necessarily picked to be um, at the top of their game. Pierre Gasly qualifying um, so high in the pack was outstanding. As you say, George Russell qualifying in 11th and then being able to take advantage by of Yuki Tsunoda's bad luck when he blocked Bottas, I believe, um, and then being pushed up to 10th place. In fact, before the race started, we made our predictions and said, well, I don't think Russell will be able to hold on to it. But actually, he not only held on to it, he made up those two places. He went up to 8th place and absolutely held it there, catching up to Alonso. And it was only bad luck that, that took him out of it, to be honest. And I think he's proved his point yet again. I don't think he needs to score points. There was not one team principal that looked at the Russell situation and thought, yep, well, that's just driver error. You know, it, it, Toto Wolff, Zach Brown, even Christian Horner will look at George Russell's performance and think, do you know what? That that guy is going places and they all know where he's going as well. He's going into that silver arrow at some point. We're just waiting for Toto to, to bite the bullet and decide to drop one or both of the drivers. Now that we're getting to the point where it's looking like Red Bull are holding some sort of uh, dominance this season, I think Toto will be looking at a time for, for change. Um, I I don't think he'll be leaving, though. I, I saw some, some vague speculation, but I believe he signed a, a, a relatively lengthy contract with them. So I think he's going to be staying there. And actually, I think it'd be nice to have Toto and George in, in the Mercedes. I think 
I think they could do with a bit of a refresh actually and move on to to having uh, to having to compete because I think there was some damage done when they got rid of Rosberg because what Rosberg forced Mercedes to do is compete. It wasn't healthy, perhaps, but they were competing with each other. It was left-hand side of the garage could, um, or rather, whose engineers could outform the other, whose driver was was better. And so when Rosberg left, we had this sort of competition vacuum where Mercedes never had to try and compete with anyone. And now they're there. I think they are unprepared for that sort of eventuality. So I think it'd be good to have George move into the Mercedes. Um, but if I'm honest, I think it's not going to happen perhaps to the end of the season that's going to get announced. So I think we're just going to all have to hold on to our hats a little bit longer and uh, and speculate. But And so, yeah, for me, it was George Russell and uh, Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari team that sort of that shone a bit perhaps making the um the grand prix more interesting i thought the bottas situation was pretty poor he couldn't get past back markers and i'm talking about when we're getting towards laps sort of 60 with perez having having red bull changed perez's tires and perez is now trying to catch bottas to repeat what they did in france bottas in the mercedes can't get past the back markers if, and I just think it screams of a of a, a driver that is struggling to make the good car work. And is it in his head? Probably. But surely this is just confirming now that Bottas is perhaps on his way out. Absolutely, yeah. I think really, you know, not only Bottas, but the whole of the Mercedes team have been looking really deflated probably since going to Baku. Um, they have been saying for a number of weeks, oh, we don't know why we're so slow, we don't seem to have a lot of pace. And, you know, you can tolerate that to an extent as mind games and say, well, that's not the case because you're competing um, for, for the win and getting second and third comfortably. But I think those sort of grumbles and those concerns are only growing louder be it if it's Bottas or Mercedes more generally, as I say, because, you know, Toto Wolff has said to multi multiple media outlets that Mercedes have effectively stopped developing their 2021 car and are focusing on 2022 when the regulation change comes in, which makes absolutely, absolute sense when it comes to next season, the fact that ultimately um, that is going to be the sort of regulation um, parameters and scheme which dictate the sport for you know a decade or so, maybe even more. But yeah, the language coming out is really quite negative. You know, second and third was almost seen as a victory for Mercedes at this circuit. I get it's the Red Bull ring. I get that Verstappen was was in a class of his own, as was to many extent um, Perez insofar that he was up there. But the fact that Perez nearly overtook Bottas probably would have um, if given another lap or so. Yeah, it's it's very very concerning, and we're we're entering now. I, I perhaps fear for the rest of the season. You know, a, a Red Bull dominant dominant period, which you know you're seeing Max Verstappen winning four from four, three podiums from four. And it's such a contrast, I think, from before Spain. You know, it looked like it's going to be a really tight championship where, yes, Red Bull may have uh, Mercedes' number when it comes to qualifying on some occasions, but Mercedes would always be there uh, you know, fighting for the win and it would always come down to strategy, come down to pit stop times. But, you know, when you've got 
a mistake from Red Bull, as we saw with the pit stop of Sergio Perez, 4.8 seconds, and that's not really punished, i.e. Red Bull still win by 36 seconds. It's, mm, it, I mean, I, I personally, I agree with Christian Horner when he says, I, I just am in disbelief that Mercedes are not developing their car for 2021 at all, at all because, you know, A, they're so behind, uh, and B, you've got Red Bull... Um, pursuing uh, greater upgrades and um, mm. works to their car. I mean, I get why you're looking forward, but surely there's no need, you know, for me looking outwards to effectively sack off this season to prioritise the next one. Well, I suppose it depends what they they believe their sunk cost is, and perhaps this was a a premeditated desire to basically put. Th- put forward a 2021 car that will be they think pretty dominant and it's kind of backfired a little bit because it's not dominant enough mm. you know if 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 you put your tinfoil hat on for a moment though tom you know <laughs> Ham- lewis hamilton has not been the same since mm. um last year in to be p- specific the first bahrain grand prix because after mm. that in the sakir grand prix he missed yeah. it because of COVID. And um, ever since then, in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, he came in third. So, yes. you know, just saying, long COVID is known to mm. have caused problems for drivers. You know, with the tinfoil hat on, it could be something uh, underlying slowing him down, perhaps. is. Um, I mean, do you think yeah, Lewis Hamilton's I... lost it at all? I don't think you can discount the effect that COVID and long COVID can have on, on, on a driver. Indeed, you know, some of the best... I don't think he's lost it, no, but I do think that his dominance is starting to to wear away. You know, not only because he's got Verstappen, who's a very talented up-and-coming driver, but the tools to finish the job are now secondary to Max Verstappen. I, I still think he'll be here next season, whether he wins the Drivers' Championship or not. But, yeah, I mean, I hadn't even thought of it like that, but it's, it's so true. He's not really been himself... Uh, for a while, and I think the sport suffers because of that, really. But he's he's he definitely he definitely did well at the beginning of the season, the sort of first couple of races. But anyway, it's just it's just food for thought. And you know, taking the ten four hat off for a moment, he did spectacularly yeah. well in the Austrian Grand Prix and was mm-hmm. very very fast. But clearly, there is something that isn't clicking at the moment with this new car, which is surprising because it is effectively the same as the car b- the year before. So. Something mm. must have changed mentally or perhaps physically with Hamilton. But you know, this isn't unexpected. And, and listeners, you must appreciate that these drivers are only at the peak of their, I'd say, physical, mental uh, performance for a select number of years. Seven world championships is unusual because it does mean you have to basically be in not only a dominant car, but in a dominant state of mind and physical fitness for for an extended period of time and it you know things definitely slow down as you get older your reaction times and ability to um to, to manage those stresses on your body get worse mm-hmm. and you know even the difference between 20s and 30s and you know how on earth Kimi Raikkonen keeps going it is it's mental it's quite it's Absolutely quite incredible mental. really so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. the Austrian the first Austrian Grand Prix I think we could definitely say that it is not going to be going down as a classic not at all. Not at all. No. No. What about Sorry. Ricardo? So yeah. I feel like we keep 
bringing him up and each time <laughs> we say something about him the the opposite seems to occur what happened to ricardo this weekend do you think uh, well, I know there was a sort of glitch or an issue when it came to his power unit, which meant he was effectively, you know, operating a half power or less for uh, a couple of laps, I think, um, of this most recent Grand Prix. Um, but as I said last episode, it's great when it goes really well, i.e., you know, you finish as high as you did in the French Grand Prix, but consistency is the key. And, you know, looking at how he did compared to Norris, and, and this is the thing, when you've got Norris, who scored uh, points, you know, high points finishes every single race of the season, and you're down there in, what, 13th place, having qualified 13th, it just makes you look even worse than it was before. I think he can be s- somewhat excused, this race, because of that power unit glitch or issue that, you know, kind of scuppered his race. But, um, but it just add to the pressure on again you know the pressure was taken away i think after that last um race where he did so well mm. uh it was even faster than norris in in some sections yeah he was but, in france yeah but now it's just been put on again we're almost back to square one which must be so frustrating for him and also the team because they know how good he is he was doing so well in so far that renault were fighting for third place which when you think about it should never really have happened when they're competing with uh, a a very dominant um, McLaren team that had Norris and Sainz we know how good Sainz is from, from this race alone and a racing point car which effectively had taken a lot of influence from a championship winning Mercedes car so we know how good he is but once again consistency is the key I think I th- I put his relatively poor performance down to perhaps the the uh, performance of the car itself but I you know I live in hope I hold out hope that he will he will do well um, and that he has found his feet. Again, we know the McLaren is fast because well, Lando Norris was again, was putting up there um, and, and well in contention for third at, at one point. So I I think given that McLaren came on the radio and said, you know, we, we know there's issues at the moment with the, with the car. I'm hoping it was just that, but yeah, you can't help but wonder, really, what, what is going on with Ricardo and whether or not he's just having off days and on days. And at what point do the on days overtake the uh, the off days? So I, I suppose well, I, I'm hesitant to make any more predictions about him because I don't think we can at this point. Um, I, I just think he's going to get better, I hope, because, well, given enough time, surely he must find his feet. So fingers crossed going to the next race, he will actually do quite well. But... It's not necessarily reflective of, of McLaren's performance because they have yet again sort of cemented their position in third. And I, I although I was expecting Norris during the race to fight for third, he did let through both Bottas and Perez. The, the team said that they were running their own race. And what they mean by that is they're not willing to fight first and second place teams because they just want to beat Ferrari. And given that Ferrari was seventh and eighth, I think McLaren demonstrated where they, you know, where they should be in the constructors championship, um, pretty powerfully actually. So uh, it would have been nice though because going into it, I really hoped that Norris was going to be fighting for third. Are, are you disappointed that we didn't see uh, some more battles between other drivers? Yeah, no, I, I really was. I thought that Norris did such a good job to to fight with Bottas and with Sergio Perez for the start of this race, at least. But then, 
I think the race sort of went into its quite predictable um, phase or setup. You know, you had Red Bull and Mercedes fighting it out for the top four, although ultimately there was only ever going to be one winner. You then had Norris in, in the league of his own, and then you had the rest, really. Um, I mean, the fact that Norris even got lapped is a testament to the golfing class, I think, when it comes to the cars, at least, uh, between Red Bull, uh, Mercedes and the rest. But I really think that Norris is punching, you know, I wouldn't say he's punching above his weight, but he's getting every ounce out of that car. And I think that's so important when you saw how poorly that Ferrari did last race, but how well they both of them have done this race. Because when it comes to Ferrari, you know, plaudits to Carlos Sainz coming into a new car. He is always just in front of or just behind Charles Leclerc, which, you know, the consistency and the, the ability to match a teammate, I think, is really to be applauded. Um so in that regard, I think Norris is is really doing you know so great for the team. But you know, as I say before, it's another race where he does so well, Ricardo doesn't, and then you've got two Ferraris scoring really solid points in sixth and seventh. It kind of makes you think if you're a Ferrari fan, and um, if you're a McLaren fan, sorry, could they could Ferrari get us? Which I I scoffed at last week, but if the trend continues, where the off days of Ferrari are very, very few. Let's take, I don't know, France and one or two others. And then they're scoring points in every other race, both of them, when you've got one McLaren doing incredibly well and one not. It kind of gets a bit worrying, doesn't it? It does. And as is uh, evident in in the, sort of the Red Bull conundrum, um, when when they only had Max Verstappen fighting then two drivers are always better than one for the constructors. So uh, I, there is enough enough points for Ferrari to catch McLaren. And if McLaren cannot get Ricardo up to speed, then they're going to have some problems. I mean, there is only 12 points between McLaren and Ferrari. So 12 points is nothing in a, in a season that has many, many races to go. So, yeah, no, there is, there, there is I think, a realisation of McLaren that, yeah, they could get us. And given Ricardo's performance in the last race and Ferrari's ability to make it its way back through the pack, then I think the I think McLaren need to make sure that Ricardo's power issues was a one off thing. Um and that they're not going to they're not going to be giving away these free points each week um to Ferrari just by the fact that they can't really get the uh the the second driver up to speed i mean it's it's it was all a bit bizarre really when you have norris in fifth and then daniel ricardo comes in 13th well you're basically fighting them with one arm behind your back because seventh and eighth massively perform outperforms one person in fifth so it's third place isn't secure yet and ferrari desperately want that because given that they were atrocious during the 2020 season they have really had to ping pong their way back up and you know yo-yo your way from very bottom trying to get back up to the top now um 2019 2018 feels so long ago for ferrari when they when they were effectively at the very beginning of the season fighting mercedes for for number one so there is a long way to go for Ferrari yet, but make no mistake, Ferrari will be putting everything into next year's car to ensure that they can perhaps be the one engineering, you know, a single engineering masterpiece to take that first 
uh, Constructors' Championship. So I don't think this year is safe, and I think McLaren know that. But you know, if if we can see what happens in just one year when Ferrari have fallen so far last year and come back this year, then I'm really excited to see what they can do with another year and a whole load of new technical regulations. I mean, I'm not a Ferrari fan, I'm a massive McLaren fan, but competition drives innovation. And I think that is something that's going to be pushing these teams forward next year. So I'm hoping we'll get a real surprise going into the new regulations in 2022. Absolutely. And sort of just before we finish, I know we talk a lot about, you know, Ricardo, McLaren, Ferrari as well. I think we should briefly have a discussion about a racing driver currently on the track that has raced for both McLaren and Ferrari. Um, Fernando Alonso, he's finished ninth at this Grand Prix. Um, he's finished in the point five times out of eight, and there was real question marks over whether the old Spaniard could rewind the clock, especially after he had to have surgery after a cycling injury. Do you think he's been a large contributing factor to why they're seventh and not lower down? To start with how Alonso's performance is, we knew he was a good driver, and so to some extent, I, I, I suppose it might be analogous to riding a bike. You don't lose it. He's doing okay. Uh, definitely beating Ocon in in the last Austrian Grand Prix and de- demonstrating that he can uh, put in some good performances. He did very well during qualifying as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But it kind of disappoints me that old drivers who've had their day come back into the sport and effectively take up a 1 in 20 position. Same problem I have with Raikkonen. So I think Alonso would have to do something pretty magic for me to be like, well, <laughs> thank God he's back. Whoa. Yeah. I think he would have actually been better off as a more an advisory role, which mm-hmm. I believe he does from a from a driver's perspective. And I think there is something nice about a driver uh, walking away from the sport and becoming something else in it. I fully expect Lewis Hamilton... Sebastian Vettel to both become advisors to to the sport. Uh, Maybe in, Raikkonen as well. And yeah, although it'd be quite difficult to get some stuff out from Raikkonen. Raikkonen, you know, can you advise us? Are we are we doing this right? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Thank you. Any any more? No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, but yes, he probably could. So. Yeah, I think I think that's my opinion on on Alonso as it was going into this. It's nice to see him back and pootling around the track and putting some good performance. But man, he just needs to leave. Yeah, same with Raikkonen. Mm. I like I like Raikkonen. Uh, he, he, I was always a big fan of him. But no, when it's you, you know your time has come and it's you've got to move on. There are people waiting in the wings to get into Formula One, and not everyone has a multi-billion dollar father. To, to buy themselves into a team. So it, it, it would be nice if there was a couple of spots in Formula 1 that opened up, um, which I suppose is something I'm quite excited for for next year because in the dream scenario, right, Russell would go up to M- Mercedes, Raikkonen yep. and Alonso would leave the sport and that effectively would leave three places, um, mm-hmm. which... No, that's that's not insignificant amount in in Formula One. Three new seats, so you we'd have the opportunity for for upcoming drivers, you know, such as Callum Eilat to to take the take yeah. the reins of a of a of a car and something like Williams. Although it's you know not necessarily going to score you any points. Although we we live in hope 
it would not be a bad place to start. It also mean drivers such as Mick Schumacher could potentially move around um, from their current position, uh, from his current position in Haas, which is just a terrible, terrible car. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I think in going back to Alonso, I think it is time he he once again retires from the sport. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those where you know he's got such a big reputation. He's a multi time world champion you're 39 years old the danger is that when you come back you have more to lose than perhaps to win but um he signed on for next season as well so he'll be racing when he's 40 years old which is absolutely insane very old um he's got nothing be... to prove now though that's that's the thing, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah i think he's just doing it now for the for the pure sport of it it's almost seeing it as uh, to quote raikkonen a hobby which is great if you have it, but then there's so many uh, below them. Many Renault Junior drivers, I believe, um, they're doing incredibly well when it comes to F2. I'm sure Liv could correct me or confirm that when she's back. But mm. um, but that's that's the thing, isn't it? When you've got a good supply of young talents in your academy, and you've signed on a driver like him, you know, I, I get that experience is key. I think we're seeing to an extent when it comes to Yuki Tsunoda that he would have been better um, this season if he'd have won the championship or had more experience when it came to F2. But yeah, it's it's one of those where Alonso's fine in terms of, you know, he will get you points pretty much every race as the, as the stats show, but there's got to come a point where he goes and someone comes in and the danger is you then replace the old the old head when it comes to experience of uh, of racing and then you get two young and semi uh inexperienced drivers behind the wheel so interesting planning from the alpine team but um i guess they've got a plan yeah and so ends episode 14 of f winning review thank you very much once again dear listener for listening to another episode of this podcast uh, thank you indeed to listening to me and Tristan ramble on about what happened at the Austrian Grand Prix part one uh, what didn't happen and he's been performing well and who really needs to go um, for those who've been sort of keeping keeping an eye on the calendar you'll know that we remain in Austria at the same circuit although it's named something different the Austrian Grand Prix compared to the steering of course there's a huge difference as we know and that will be on the 4th of July and then the triple header of the F1 2021 calendar ends and normal service in terms of a week and two weeks break will resume until the summer break We'll be back, not next week, but the week after, to discuss what happened there and what's generally happening in the world of F1. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.